Welcome to episode six of Friendship and Fluency: Learning English with Andy and Stephanie. Today, unfortunately, I'm on my own. My wife Stephanie was not able to join us for this week's podcast. Today, we are going to look at an American idiom. We'll also look at a language learning method. Then we'll discuss an aspect of American pronunciation. And finally, as always, we'll finish with a story about one of our funny language learning mistakes. Thank you so much for joining us for the first time, or as return viewers or listeners. Let's get started. Today, I'm on my own for this podcast, and we have an American idiom for that that I'd like to share with you. That idiom is flying solo. So normally, I do this podcast with my wife. There are two of us, but because it's just me today, I can say my wife is not with me today. Today, I'm flying solo. To be flying solo means to be doing something on your own, when usually or in the past you were always doing it with someone else. This idiom might come from. Pilots. It might come from the world of aviation, where perhaps you have a new pilot who is being trained by a more experienced pilot, and then eventually he is flying on his own. Or many aircraft usually have two pilots, and、uh, and so in a situation where there's only one pilot, he would be flying solo. Perhaps that's its origin. It's not completely clear. It's definitely connected to aviation. And to planes, and now it's come into everyday life. So this is a great idiom for anyone who is married and who usually goes to gatherings or does something with their spouse, or even who's always going somewhere with a good friend. And then you show up one day to a party, you show up to a social gathering, or even to a work context, and people say, "Where's your wife?" or "Where's your husband?" Or where's your friend who's always with you? And then you can say they couldn't make it today. Today I'm flying solo. This is a common and informal idiom that you can use for any situation where you're on your own when you would normally be doing this with someone else. So try out this idiom with your friends who are English speakers. Practice it and ask them when would they use this idiom and when would they not use this idiom. The second thing that I wanted to mention to you today is a way that you can improve your reading in the English language.、And、this is a method that I really like myself, that I have personally benefited from a lot, and so I wanted to mention it to you as、uh, something that you should try out to see if it's a good fit for you. Also, the method is very basic. It would be to Find books or articles or poems that are available in your language that you're already familiar with, but that are also available in English. Now, when you have a book, for example, that's available in both languages, when you're already familiar with it in your language, it makes reading that book in English. Much easier than if it were a new book where you were unfamiliar with the story or the topic. For example, 
I really like the children's books, The Chronicles of Narnia. These are novels that were written for children by the author C.S. Lewis. Chronicles of Narnia, there's a number of different books. The first one is called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And this book and this series of books has been translated into hundreds of languages around the world. So a good way for me to practice reading in a new language would be to have my English copy with me of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and then to have a local language copy of that same book. I would focus on reading the local language edition of that book. Anytime that I get stuck, because I'm already familiar with the story and what happens in the story, I already have all of this help, all of these clues for what that sentence or that phrase might mean. So I might be able to put the pieces together on my own or and then compare what I'm reading in my new language with what is written in my original language. This is great, like I said before, because with your familiarity with the story or with the topic, you're going to be able to guess and understand and figure out what things are saying more than you can with a book where the story or the topic is not familiar to you. It gives you a bit of an advantage, a a head start, shortcut maybe, and this builds confidence as you're reading. It's a great way to learn things through reading in an easier way than by jumping into something where you're unfamiliar of where the story is going or what the topic is about. So do you have any books or any articles or any poems that you love, that you are familiar with in your own language, where you can also get good English translations. I would highly recommend that you practice your reading with that kind of resource. In my experience, our brains really enjoy this type of reading, and it can be so beneficial for building confidence and also for gaining new vocabulary, for absorbing new grammar forms, maybe some harder tenses uh, that you would not have understood, but then you see them translated in the story and it clicks for you. So give this a shot and let me know in the comments how this goes for you. The third thing that I want to cover today is an aspect of American pronunciation. This is something that I've made a video about before, but It's quite a difficult aspect of American pronunciation, and so it's worth covering again, even if you have seen that video. And this aspect of American pronunciation is called the flap T, the flap T. Now, in American English, we have the hard T sound, T, and we have the D sound, D. However, we also have a sound that is in between them that is called the flap T. Now, this sound is made when there is a letter T or two letter T's in the middle of a word. And instead of saying, for example, butter for butter, instead of saying the hard T sound for those letters, we instead pronounce the flap T. So instead of saying butter, we say butter. Instead of saying better, we say better. Instead of saying water, 
we say water. Now, how do you make this sound? You want to notice where your tongue is when you make the T sound, t, and where your tongue is when you make the D sound, d, t, and d. And then try to find a place and a sound right in the middle of those two sounds. So not t and not d, but d. It's a subtle sound. It's hard to hear, but there is a difference. The flap T is not the same sound as a D, although it sounds closer to a D than it does the T sound in English. So, if you want to say water in the American pronunciation, you are closer if you say water as opposed to water. However, I do want you to know that the Is its own sound. It's not a D. It's lighter than the D. The D sound is a little bit heavier, a little thicker, and you want this sound, this flap T in butter or better, or water, or these different words to be lighter than the D sound and not as sharp as the T sound. But again, it's somewhere right in the middle. If you go back to our second podcast episode, my wife Stephanie gave us a long tongue twister about Betty Bader, who bought some butter and the butter was bitter. That tongue twister is full of this flap T sound, but it's a long and a difficult one. So I wanted to give you a tongue twister today that uses this flap T sound one time, right in the beginning. And this tongue twister is. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. The tongue twister overall focuses on the p sound, the p sound, but you see in that first name, the first word, Peter. Peter. We don't say Peter, and we don't say Peter. We say Peter. Peter is the main character in this tongue twister. Peter Piper is his full name. He picked a pickled peck, so a an amount of peppers that have been. Pickled, soaked in salt water. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Can you say that? Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Can you say that? And how fast can you say that? Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Try practicing this tongue twister and seeing how fast you can go. Tongue twisters are fun for practicing your pronunciation and really for exercising the muscles of your mouth. That will result eventually in better and better pronunciation. So, can you do it? Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. If you can get this, then let me know in the comments. And if it's too hard, don't worry. Write it out. Practice it slowly until it becomes easy. And use that name, Peter, for practicing your American flap T sound. Not a D, not a T. Right down the middle. Now, as we do with each podcast, I want to finish today by sharing a funny language learning mistake. However, this language learning mistake was not actually my mistake or my wife's mistake. This mistake was actually a mistake that my mother made when I was a small child. When I was young, my family was living in a different country, a country called Papua New Guinea. Parents were American teachers there in that country, similar to how I've been a teacher in Kurdistan, in the Middle East, in northern Iraq, and the language of that country that they were learning is called Melanesian Pidgin. 
a pidgin language is a language that has been created by mixing together lots of local languages and other regional or global languages, and a new language is born. So this language mixed together some English, some German, some Spanish, some uh, Bahasa, Indonesian, and some words from the different tribal languages in this country. There's over 800 tribal languages in Papua New Guinea, and so you can see why they needed to have another language for easy communication between everyone, because no one, no matter how good at languages you are, no one can ever learn 800 languages. That would be crazy. So this trade language was born, this pidgin language, and that's the language that my parents were studying. Now, I was a small child at this time, and my mom wanted to tell me in the local language to pick up my spoon and to feed myself. This would have been kisim spoonloyu na yu yet kaikai. But she mixed up the order of some of the final words, and instead she said, Kisim spoonloyu na kaikai mu yet, which means pick up your spoon and eat yourself. Of course, my mother wasn't meaning to say that I should get my spoon and eat myself. She was trying to tell me that I should pick up my spoon like a big boy and eat on my own. I should feed myself. However, when she made this mistake, the locals who were there, the Papua New Guineans, heard this and they started laughing because she had just told her son to eat himself. You can see from this example how easy it is when you're learning another language to mix up subject and object and who's doing the action and who's receiving the action. This can get very tricky and this can also lead to some very funny or embarrassing mistakes. I know that I've made similar mistakes in trying to speak Kurdish. So a big shout out to my mom for sharing that mistake with me. And if you've ever made any funny language learning mistakes as you've been learning English, go ahead and write those out in the comments for all of us to enjoy. Remember, the purpose of sharing these mistakes is one, to keep language learning fun and enjoyable, but two, also to help us learn to laugh at ourselves. Because when we laugh at our own mistakes, this helps us to be humble, but also to remember that making mistakes is a very normal and important part of the language learning process. So there's no shame in mistakes. But sometimes there's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us today for this shorter episode of Friendship and Fluency, Learning English with Andy and Stephanie. I'm so glad you joined me because I was flying solo today, and hopefully both of us will be back with you next week for episode seven. Please like and subscribe and write a review if you're listening to this or if you're watching this on YouTube, and uh, let us know what you would like us to discuss in future episodes. Take care.